The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. There was a wonderful teacher. He passed away a number of years ago, Rabdovit Schrenk. He was the principal of the yeshiva in Adelphia, in New Jersey. So my friend Shruli Besser wrote a biography about him. It's called Just Love Them. Beautiful book. So he shares there a story about Rabdovit Schrenk, Zechon Levracha. And... Uh, His wife often tunes into us, Mrs. Trank. So if you're here, welcome. <laughs> so he shares a, a, a very, it's, it's a small story, but it's not small at all. There was a policy in yeshiva in the high school that you're not supposed to smoke. Not such a terrible policy, right? You're not supposed to smoke. Anyway, he walks into somebody's room at night, one of the dormitory walks in, and the boy is sitting on his bed, and he's smoking. And it was like on a very strong policy, if you smoke, you can't be here, it's not good for your health, it's not good for other people's health, secondhand smoke. Rabdavid Shrank sees, and the boy, you know, they're face to face, and he's smoking, he's like in the middle of a, you know, middle of that puff. You know, usually you say, I got it from somebody else, you know, it's Alpi Kabbalah, which means I received the cigarette from somebody else. So, uh, Rabbi Abedrang looked at him and said, listen, you know what you're doing is wrong. You're not supposed to smoke. But you know, I also did something wrong. I walked into your room without asking permission. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to walk into somebody's room without knocking. So we both did something wrong. So let's try this again. Okay? I'm leaving the room, and I'm going to fix what I did. <laughs> and you try to fix what you did. And he walked out, he waited a few minutes, and then he knocked on the door. <laughs> the boy said, come in, and he came in, and guess what? Abracadabra, there was no cigarettes. I'm sure, you, I'm sure if you were there, you would still smell it. I don't think he had a spray, it was a boy's dormitory, but, uh, but that was it. So there was a boy over there who unfortunately stopped keeping Shabbos. And he was quite mischievous and wild. And one Friday night, he managed to break into the principal's office, Rabbi Trank's office, and the keys to his car were on the desk. And he knew Rabbi Trank doesn't need his car for the next 24 hours, it's Shabbos. And he took the keys, and he went to the parking lot Friday night. So one of the other boys says, where are you going? So I'm going to the movie theater. I'm going to the movie theater, this and this movie. He says, take me along. He says, no, if I'm sinning already, it's for me. I'm not sinning for other people. It's for my... So he says, if you don't take me along, I'm going to snitch. I'm going to tell Rabbi Trank. He said, good. I anyway want to be thrown out of this place. Now I'm here because my parents are forcing me. Once I'm thrown out, I'm a chai. I don't have to go back to yeshiva. Wonderful. Please tell him. And it was Friday night. He drove away. Imagine. So he steals a car on Shabbos and he drives away. This fellow was true to his word. He went to Rabbi Trank's home. And he told them that this and this boy... Went into your office, broke into your office, however he picked the lock, took your keys, took your car, and Rabdavid Shrank listens. It's Friday night, towards the end of the middle of his meal. And he says, where did he go? He says, he went to the movie theater. So Rabdavid Shrank puts on his coat, and he says, do you know where this movie theater is? He says, yeah, it's this and this address. He says, can you tell me how to get there? He says, yeah, we all know how to get there. <laughs> and he tells him how to get there, but he says, it's very far. It's not a few blocks, so you have to walk a mile or two miles. It was a Friday night, a winter night in New Jersey. He says, I'm going, I'm walking. 
He puts on his coat and he walks to the movie theater. Imagine. He comes to the movie theater. He goes in. There's a booth. You got to pay. Whatever you got to pay. No, $7, $12, $11. The woman says, how can I help you? He says, I don't want to watch a film, but I have somebody, a close person. He's there and I have to speak to him for a moment. Could you please let me come in without paying? She says, I can't. You can't go into the movie theater without paying. He says, now look at me. <laughs> Do I look like <laughs> a guy who came here to watch a movie? I mean, look at me. Look at my hat. Look at my beard. Look at my face. Look at my coat. It's Sabbath. It's Saturday. We don't do this on Saturday. Look, do I look honest? Do I don't look? She says, okay. But how long? He says, just a few minutes. She says, fine. Go in. So he goes in. Now you know you have many auditoriums with different cinemas. And now he has to find, and it's dark. They're all watch, watching movies. I don't know, there's going to be five movies, ten movies simultaneously. So now he has to start looking for his beloved student. So he goes into one, and he's looking, and it's pitch dark, and you have to see where everybody is sitting. It's not so easy. Big rooms, it was a big theater. And he goes from one to another one, another one. He goes into one of them. He scans the room, and he sees one of the, He sees him. He sees him sitting, watching the movie. So, you know, you're not allowed to make noise, chas v'shalom, because uh, you're going to disturb people in their moment of heightened tranquility. So he, you know, he, he slowly walks over, very clandestinely, very silently. Near the boy, there's an empty chair, and he sits down close to him without making even up, uttering a peep or a sound. Now, you know, when you know you're sometimes sitting, and even if you don't see, you just feel something is happening around you. It's like an energy, right? Because people have energy. Like you just feel somebody is near you, even though they didn't touch you. So this boy just felt suddenly that there's somebody near him. So he turns around. Now, you can imagine what that moment looked like. It's like, you know, the worst nightmare for Yeshiva boy coming true. You know, like his principal is sitting in the movie theater right near him. I was like, watching the movie. Friday night, when you have a better time, right? Rebdovich drank. And he's, he, he's like, what are you doing here? Shh, can't disturb anybody. They're watching a movie. It's very important. What are you doing here? He says, I came to talk to you. He says, what do you want to tell me? He says, I want to tell you as follows. The popcorn in this particular movie theater is not kosher. So you'll probably want to buy some food and Pepsi and soda to enjoy the movie. Do me a favor, don't buy the popcorn. I love you, Mwah! have a good night, enjoy yourself. He gets up and he leaves. He leaves. He goes out of the theater and he starts walking back. He tells the woman, thank you, I'm out. He starts walking back home, it's Friday night. A few minutes later, he feels somebody near him. <laughs> he turns around, it's the boy. He says, I'm not going to let you walk back alone. I'm walking with you. He says, wonderful, let's walk together. And they walked back a whole way, almost two miles, cold. Rabbi Trey didn't mention a word. <laughs> not about the movie, not about Shabbos, not about the car. All he did the whole way back was tell him jokes and stories. He was a very funny and charismatic person. If you knew him, he was extremely charismatic and vivacious and loud and passionate and fiery. The Trank family. <laughs> so uh, that's what he did. They came back to the office. They came back to Yeshiva. They had to part ways. He gives him a kiss. He says, have a beautiful Shabbos and hope to see you tomorrow. And he went home. Didn't say a word. The boy told the story and said, at that moment, I knew I was staying in yeshiva <laughs> and I would never ever violate Shabbos again. 
I was, uh, I was, uh, I said this once at a shear, and I was in a store a few days later, one of the stores here in Muncie, one of the supermarkets, I don't know, it was Wesley Kosher, or Evergreen, Rockland Kosher, Kedekinish, somebody came over to me and said, every word was true, because I was a yeshiva at the time. <laughs> he says, I was a yeshiva at the time, I could tell you the name, every word was true. You think Rabbi Trang didn't know what he did with the car? You think he didn't know about Shabbos? You think it didn't eat him up? But he had to make a choice. He could have looked at this boy and said, never step foot into this place and I'm calling the police and I'll put you in prison. He could have done that. Where would that boy be today? We know where he would be. What he understood was, the boy is disinterested, the boy is having, whatever the boy was going through. But he understood that if there's connection, if there's attachment, if he feels really cherished and loved and believed in, he'll find himself in a different way. There was a boy over there, just reminding myself, there was a boy there who unfortunately, he liked to steal, you know, sometimes he didn't have money, and he would go from dormitory room to dormitory room, and he would empty out people's pockets and people's drawers. So this guy was pickpocketing people, and you know what, they busted him, somebody caught him. And Rabbi Trank, one evening in the yeshiva, he sees like a little commotion, and he hears through the grapevine that they decided a group of boys, they're going to go into his room at night, and they're going to beat him up. He's stealing everybody's money for months and months. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna give him a lesson that he's going to remember. They'll give him a beating. He heard about this. So he right away asked one of the boys, tell everybody, he gave him a list, that we're having an emergency meeting in my house right after Meirev for all these boys. He brings them to the house and he tells them a fictional story that He says, guys, the fellow who stole the money came to me today to apologize. And he said that he feels so horrible and he doesn't know what he took from what. So he gave me all his money and he said, here, give it back to them and let everybody take what they own. And Rabbi Trank takes out from his drawer, he empties out all his dollars and he says, everybody take whatever is yours. And they all took their money and he promised he'll never do it again. They all left. Now he called in this boy and he said, listen, I went out on a limb for you. I apologized in your name, it never happened. I gave them back the money that you never gave back to me. I did it this time. <laughs> Next time, <laughs> you got to take care of yourself. He changed the person's life. He changed the person's life. Before Rosh Hashanah, before Rosh Hashanah one year, but with Slichus, before Slichus, I told a story here. Somebody sent me the story in email. Such a moving story. It's a little story that maybe captures three books of psychology person emailed me, a person went to a wedding, and he sees his third grade Rebbe in school, his third grade Rebbe he sees, and he goes over to him, and he says, Shalom Aleichem, do you remember me? He says, no, he says, I learned in your class, third grade, he said, yeah, it was like probably 30 years ago, 35, 40 years ago, he says, wow, it's so nice, Mazel Tov, great to see you, what's your name? He says his name, oh, I remember such a name in my class, he says, what do you do? And he tells his old teacher, I am a third grade teacher, just like you. He says, wow, that's amazing. What inspired you to do that? He says, you. You inspired me when I saw the impact you had on me in third grade. I decided I want to have such an impact on people. He says, what type of impact did I have on you? And this is what he told them. 
He said, I was a very poor kid. We came from a poor family. All I craved was a watch. My parents couldn't afford a watch. One day I saw that one of our, my classmates in third grade got this new watch and he had it in his jacket, in his, his coat. So by recess, I decided to steal his watch. He came back from playing outside by recess. He walks in, he sees his watch is gone. He starts screaming to you, to the teacher, somebody stole my watch. It's gone, somebody took it. So you turn to all the kinderlach and you say, did somebody by mistake or not by mistake take a watch? It's not yours, it belongs to somebody, please give it back and it's fine. At this point I was too embarrassed. I was too embarrassed to give back the watch. I was afraid of reprisals and revenge and anger and who knows what would happen to me. And you close the door and you said, somebody needs to give back the watch. It's not fear. We stole, we, somebody's watch was stolen from me. We can't live like this. And you closed the door and nobody was showing up with the watch because I was too embarrassed. And you said, everybody please line up and close your eyes and empty your pockets onto the desk near you and nobody's going to see anybody else and we'll give back the watch. And that's what you did. And you had everybody's eyes closed, including mine. So when my watch came out at the desk, there was a big desk, everybody put it on the desk. Nobody could see it. And you saved me from public shame and humiliation that day. And I thought you would call me in afterwards and reprimand me for what I did. You didn't even do that. You ignored the story as though it never, ever happened. And when I saw how you saved my dignity that day, because I thought I would be shamed for life, I decided I want to go into this field. I want to do for other children what you did for me. And the older teacher was so moved. He says, wow, that is so beautiful. That is so amazing. He says, Rebbe, you're making as though you don't remember the story. You must remember the story. He says, actually, I don't. He says, you mean when you hear my name and you look at me, you don't remember that I stole a watch and you found it and you did not tell me anything, and nobody else knew about it? He says, I don't remember, I don't. He says, how can it be? And he says, I also closed my eyes. I also closed my eyes, I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know it was you. I just saw a watch and I gave it back. It was irrelevant to me who took it. I said this over before Slichus. A few days later, I'm getting messages from friends in Brazil one after another. Wow, this story really did it well. I'm like, what happened? There was the president of Brazil was then running for re-elections to be, uh, to, be nomin- to be elected again as the president of Brazil. Somebody sent him a clip of me telling the story before Slichus. He had it translated with, uh, by, with um, captions into Portuguese and he sent it out to 25 million people on his list with an introduction. The introduction was, we have to learn from the Jewish people how to educate children. And then he sent out my clip, I'm talking in English, he had Portuguese captions, so 25 million Gentiles got the story, and he said, this is what the Jews understood, how to educate children. But I want to think, but what what did this teacher know? that other people don't know. What did he know? This, you don't, you, I could go to a hundred seminars. <laughs> I can read books, right? I can know all the rules. This is something else. This is called Aneshama. Emotional, not just intelligence, but love, empathy. It's believing in people. 
part of me, I see a child, a ganav, a ganav. And then, oh, what type of mother does he have? Her with his mother, of course, he's a ganav. And I, I knew the barber. I knew the, and you know what? I remember when my mother used to talk about the grandmother after the war. I remember. You think Google does research on people? Ask your grandmother about after the war. You know those, uh, everybody, <laughs> today she's a ganser Ebbetson. We remember what she looked like. In 1947, I'll tell you what happened in the DP camps. So of course, the, the, the inical is a ganif. It's very easy to go there. And you know what? Some of it may even be true. But what he understood was, I can analyze he's a thief and why is he a thief. Everyone has toxicity. We all have darkness. It's called the Yetzirah, whatever it looks like and whatever the reason is. He had then a choice, and the choice is what am I going to connect with? Which world am I going to live in? Am I going to live in the world of negativity, or am I going to live in the world of light, of brightness? And that changed everything. The most important thing is he showed the child which world he can live in. The child every day can look in the mirror and say, I'm a filthy thief. Or the child could wake up, look in the mirror and say, I'm worthy of this teacher's infinite dignity and dedication. Why am I so worthy? Maybe I'm not just a filthy thief. Maybe there's something so valuable about me. That attachment, that connection is at the core of everything. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.